Alright, so we're back in our study of uh, 1 Timothy again today and uh, excited about the study, you know, Tim- or Paul in his letter to Timothy continues to hit right at the core of what Timothy was dealing with in his uh, neck of the woods at his particular time. And um, so let's let's read over here just real quick. Uh, we're getting through a couple verses today. First Timothy chapter 5, 21 and 22. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one another or one before another, uh, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of another man's sins. Keep thyself pure. And I'm going to ask... Uh, Brandon to, to pass these out um, so if he could if he could do that um, so it, it's kind of interesting because um, in the presence of witnesses I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels and I, I think it's it's just interesting that it, you know two thirds ish of the way through this letter Paul is now addressing the charge to Timothy in light of who is watching him. These witnesses that are that he's that he's uh, that he's sending, and and some of you you won't have the the notes quite yet. But witnesses goes into your first blank. We'll be here for just a second, so hopefully by the time he gets around, you'll have that. Witnesses is your first blank, but. Um, it, it's interesting because Paul does something that's pretty important here, and he addresses not just one witness, not just two witnesses, but three witnesses. Um, I actually look at the the second reference here first, First Timothy five nineteen, just a little uh, earlier in the in the just just a little before, like two verses before. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. I don't know if you remember, that was a couple weeks ago because of the way the chapter structure is breaking down. But we said, you know, receiving an accusation against an elder is a pretty serious thing. And two or three witnesses were required because that was kind of as serious as some of the, the challenges of, of uh, where judgment was death or taking someone else's inheritance. But it's just interesting that like two verses later, Paul uses the three witnesses that are important in Timothy's life here. The God, the God, the Father, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the elect angels, and and so you know the you know First Thessalonians two five the first reference for neither at any time used we flattering words as you know nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Paul reminds Timothy that um, in First Timothy, but he's talking about it obviously in Thessalonians that God is witness to these things. God watches the way you minister. God watches the the heart behind it, the intent behind it. I said something this morning very innocently to somebody, and as I walked away, and they're a mature believer, it's not going to be a problem. I thought, wow, that did not come out right. It's not. It didn't. I didn't mean it wrong. It just didn't come out right. And I pray that on their end, that it's not a problem. God is witness. I didn't mean anything by it. It would really surprise me, to be honest, if it was a, an offense or something that bothered this individual, or maybe even that you've thought of, or that they would think of and give it any, you know, any thought or, or deal with it later. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before, but I've had people come up to me and say, hey, I'm really sorry about this. And I'll be like, 
that happened. Okay, we're good because <laughs> I don't even remember it, you know. And but God is witness to these things, and I don't mean it like God's witness, and He's gonna, you know, like the. Gary Larson on the far side, I think I've referenced before, the, the piano, the guy walking under the piano and God has his computer and he's getting ready to hit the smite button, right? So the piano falls on the guy. That's not what I mean by God is witness to these things. It's not like, I, you better watch out. You better not cry. God is witness. Like, that's not the point, right? That's not what I'm saying here. God is witness to how you interact. God is witness to how you minister, and he's challenging him or charging him before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, but also these these uh, elect angels, and we'll have a whole whole slide there in just a moment about that. But in twelve uh, Hebrews twelve one follows on the heels of Hebrews eleven, which is the hall of faith. Says, wherefore seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Literally, there are people watching you. There are people around you watching you, but there is a heavenly host watching you. Yes, and sir. and it, I do think it's interesting. These kinds of things jump out at me when I look at Scripture, but it's like I, it wouldn't have surprised me if it was God or God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's like kind of quote missing from this list of three right are you guys with me like it seems like you know those are the three that i would have thought instead these elect angels are 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 slid in there again we'll talk about those but there's a reason the whole i believe a reason the holy spirit's not listed because these are external to us and the holy spirit's in fact in us bearing witness of them and there is a default that the Holy Spirit is also obviously watching. So um, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But in this case, there are three that bear witness to our style, our mannerisms, our way of ministry. And remember, if it, I mean, the verses are right there on your page just above you, or just above the point that... It's, I charge thee before these things that thou observe these things without preferring one another. Like, literally, he's saying, do what I've told you, but don't, be, don't have partiality, don't have prejudice, don't do those things. Again, we'll, we'll get to those in due time here. But those are the witnesses. God is going to hold you accountable for ministering with an agenda, ministering with a vendetta, ministering with, an, um, with a preference for people. Now, we'll see that there are some reasonable priorities or reasonable um, structure to ministry, but not preference. So, so why, why elect angels? I mean, that's kind of an interesting, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. Where did that come from? Well, yeah, right. But why elect, elect angels? Which is kind of interesting. There are ranks of angels. I don't know if you know this, but there's a hierarchy of angels. We see in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel. So the archangel will, I, I don't believe it's the Lord that's his voice, but with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Notice in Jude uh, 1.9, Yet Michael, the archangel... 
when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring, uh, bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. So Michael is the archangel. We've actually seen, I didn't even include, there's you know, Gabriel, uh, there's uh, Michael. I mean, they, these angels have very, these archangels have very specific roles in um, in uh, in the new, uh, new and Old Testament. There are some that are chosen for a purpose. Go ahead and turn to Revelation. We've got a, a few verses here. Revelation chapter 8. And it's just, again, it's just one kind of snippet. There's actually, I think I put up here, yeah, hundreds of appearances of angels, especially mostly in the Old Testament, with all sorts of different messages, different responsibilities. Some are fighting, some are, are just communicating, some are protecting, some are, are stopping donkeys. Like you got all sorts of things going on with angels, right? They have different roles and different responsibilities. But notice in Revelation chapter 8 in verse 2, well, actually, we'll start it in verse 1. This is why I believe men will be in heaven before women. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So the guys are going to get there, and we're just going to be like, <sighs> quiet for half an hour. And then the ladies come in, and all the talking starts. So, But that, I, I digress, and I don't know that I can cross-reference that doctrinally anywhere else. Um, Say again. Yeah, sounds kind of boring. It was. It is very boring, and we are probably with a fishing pole, just wanting some peace and quiet. Um, but, but, and again, I cannot. There's no cross references for that. That was a joke. It was not serious, but it does make me wonder. Okay, but I and I saw the seventh angel which stood before God, and to them were or, uh, seven angels rather which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Seven specific angels that were given given trumpets. Notice in verse three, uh, and another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Jumping down into verse six, and the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound and then obviously starting from there the first angel my point is this is just one passage where you can see different angels have different responsibilities that literally is what it means for them to be elect purposed okay they have a specific purpose okay now this is not a determination of eternal destiny right this is not a election concept Notice, if since you're in, in Re Revelation, turn over to chapter 12 and verse 4, that God even allows his angels to have a free will. Uh, pick it up actually um, in verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And you can hear the dramatic, I don't know why I have like... Uh, uh, Phantom of the Opera music playing in the background. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. That is literally a reference to angels falling. But notice what his tail did. It drew. Okay? They weren't forced. This was a, a choice that those angels made. The power that he had drew some of them away from God. Okay? So angels, even elect angels, are... Elect, and we'll, and we'll look at this more in, on the next slide, but the election is the concept of a choice for a purpose, okay? <laughs> so so don't, don't get scared. So on the back of your page, 
Well, or, so, oops. So we've got elect versus preferring <laughs> or partiality, right? So that's on your notes. Elect versus per preferring or partiality. Literally, I believe Paul is calling out this concept of election with the angels, the elect angels, and saying, but don't do anything with partiality. There's nothing with preference that should go on in ministry. Okay? It's about God's grace. Now, this was meant to be the don't scare you part. Does anybody know who this is? Somebody surely knows who this is. Victor? Roy, okay, yes, Roy Blunt. I've had the chance to take a picture with Roy Blunt. And honestly, I guess it's, not, it's recorded. I don't, I don't know if this is a problem. Roy Blunt kind of has a joker smile. If you have ever looked at like a picture, if you Google Roy Blunt, the smile, like you can see him dressed up as joker. It's like really big. Now, Roy Blunt, very conservative senator from, from Missouri. He has been senator for a while. I've had a chance, so I've, I shared with this with different folks before, that because of my role, sometimes I have to go and, and lobby at, uh, at, at, in, in Washington. I don't know what that's going to look like over the next couple of years with, with some of the security issues. But I've had the honor, and I will say the honor, of meeting with Roy Blunt in Harry Truman's old Senate office. So Roy Blunt has Harry Truman's old Senate office, which is kind of neat to have had a meeting in, with this current sitting senator and senator, then Senator Truman's office. Um, but Roy Blunt is a dude that has to put on his pants just like everybody else. Roy Blunt is, is no better than Mitch Dobson, no better than anybody in this room, nobody really better than anywhere. But he's elected. Yeah. So what does elected mean? It means he's set aside for a purpose. He was elected and doesn't work a quote normal job, definitely doesn't work a normal job. He is a politician. He was elected by the people for a purpose. In this case, to be senator, okay? So election is not preferred. Election is based on purpose. Okay? Are we tracking? All right? Now, preferring... So, oh, and I should have been clear. This is on the back page at the bottom, so I had a section of definitions. Preferring is an opinion formed before the facts are known, a prejudice or a prejudgment. So when I was a kid, and, and I don't want this to be any, any clumsier or awkward than it is, but when I was a kid, I rarely heard the term racist. I mostly heard the term prejudice. So we weren't, we, uh, my parents worked on me, tried to grow me up not to be prejudiced, not to prejudge someone based on their appearance, certainly based on their ethnic background, their skin color, anything like that, right? You shouldn't pre-judge. Now, I think the narrative has kind of changed, so I'm, I'm just trying to address this concept of being prejudiced and totally setting aside the very bad concept of being racist. But, but this preference that Paul is talking about is don't pre-judge someone but it doesn't mean don't judge someone. And we're going to talk about that because there is a concept of proving that goes on. And that's later in this chapter. Okay? He says don't do preferring someone and don't show partiality or favoritism. 
So I don't have the right as a leader in this class to have preferential treatment of people, right? Literally, Paul is addressing in 1 Timothy, in this he's saying, don't do anything, you know, uh, that thou observe these things without preferring one another, doing nothing by partiality, yet references the elect angels. I think he's trying to show the contrast, that the elect means that they're set aside for a purpose, but don't, when you're, when you, because that's what God does. God sets the angels aside for purpose. When you are in ministry, when you minister to other people, keep everything very clear, very clear. Everybody, quote, earns, and I don't, I hate to even use that term, earns the respect that they're due, okay? I don't have the right I'll just I'll just pick on Jamie and Shane since they're in the back and it's harder for them to throw stuff at me. Like I don't have the right to like one of them more than the other and say, I think Jamie would be better doing this because I like Jamie more. Like literally, that's forbidden according to scripture. I can't say I'm gonna be more partial to Shane because we hang out together. Like I don't I don't get that right. It's literally nothing is to be done with partiality or preferring one another. Now, does that mean I'm, I'm, I'm certainly closer in friendships with some people? I, you know, I've referenced before, I've known Decker since both of us had hair. Well, I mean, you've got some, but, but I mean, Decker's like one of the few. Oh, there's some under the hat. It's just, it's just, it's, it's getting less and less. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, and, sorry, bro. Yeah, you can wear the hat, but we all know what's going on in the day. But, um, like, there's only a few people in this room, I think four or so that have ever seen me with a, with flowing locks that doesn't get and they were they were good looking by the way at one point I had a really good mullet going on um, it's kind of it was a part is a business in the front and party in the back um, but the point is I don't get to prefer Erica just because I've known her a long time like that's literally not what's allowed so Roy Blunt, yes, does he have like, probably has some sort of security guards. I can't just, clearly can't just walk into the Capitol anymore and, and try to get a, a demand an appointment with him. There's protection, but, but he is just a person that has been elected for a function, okay? So we, when we kind of go back to our, our text is that there is a practical prohibition. Don't tie faith to partiality. Literally, James is saying in verses one, uh, chapter 2, 1 to 4, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Don't hold up the faith with respect to persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring or in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say unto the poor, Stand thou here, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye then, are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Literally, we don't get the right to judge people when they walk in the door and think they would be good for this ministry, or they would be bad for this ministry. That's not our job. That's not, we don't get that right. 
But, but the tendency is to do it, exactly. The tendency is to evaluate people that we're either comfortable with or that fit some sort of prejudiced, prejudged, um, you know, my, you know, vision or image in our mind and put emphasis or preference to those. That's why both James and Paul address it, okay? Jesus literally died for you. He died for you, 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 and I don't remember, he died for me. I don't remember if I did. He died for the people on Zoom in other states. Thank you. He died for the people that are listening to this recording later. We don't get the right, even as Pastor Sam said, we don't get the right to despise, but we don't get the right to prefer. Despising is like the norm and these, these quote, bad people over here. We can't despise people. Well, we also can't say, but these are the, this is my, these are my friends. I prefer them. Like we don't get that right either. We have, to, we have to approach everyone with, with, with literal equality in Christ. Mm-hmm. Literal. And that's the thing that, again, Christians get such a bad rap for. And Satan has done an amazing job twisting because so many people under the banner of Christianity, just like under the banner of Christianity, did things as horrific as crusades where they would murder entire towns of people. But, oh, but in the name of Christ, and we're still paying kind of society or world, the whole world society is still paying for some of that stuff. But people will do the exact same thing even today. They'll murder an abortion doctor under the banner of Christ. No, you don't like that. No, no, you can't stand out on a street street corner with some of the signs that we've all seen out of memes or or on the news and and say and you don't get that right. That is not what we've been called to do. Notice how Christ chooses. Let me get start the sentence over. How Christ chooses to invest. He does it to those who are without strength ungodly sinners and enemies that I mean literally is just blows my mind that he chose to invest in in somebody as vile as Mitch Dobson like that is amazing to me for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly which happens to be everybody for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet preferred adventure for a good man someone even dare to die but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life like amen literally the enemy if I can use the word, and I, I, I trust the Lord won't hold me, the enemy should be preferred. <laughs> like, if you're going to prefer somebody, prefer the person that can't do it themselves, that's ungodly, that's a sinner, and, and an enemy. The guy that walks down the street that looks like he might be causing trouble here, literally should be preferred 
over us. Now, that still ha- it still looks like safety for our kids. It still looks like caution with respect to how he interacts with our with the women folk around here, right? Like we're not going to allow that, but we're also not going to say move on just because he doesn't look right. Right? Just because he he gives off a weird air. We're going to approach it with we're we're going to let the spirit bear out intentions, right? So it brings us to our first discipleship question or discipleship decision. When you choose to invest... Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, missed a whole verse there. So John 3, he also invests in the condemned, which I think is, is, you know, it's just a different verse, a different word, but it's, you know, those that were uh, without strength, ungodly sinners and enemies, and also the condemned in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world... The world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of his only begotten son of God. So literally, we started out in a default condemned state. And we needed a savior, right? We started out condemned. Yet he chose to sacrifice, to, to come, to, to give up eternity or, or heaven for a period of time to live amongst us, dealing with, you know, and I'm not trying to be trite, but dealing with, with body odor and dealing with sin and dealing with just dirt. And like, he didn't deserve that. <laughs> He was the son of God. He didn't ha- he shouldn't have had to have been born and laid in a manger. Like he shouldn't have like had to deal with that stuff by putting on flesh, but he chose to do it because he preferred everyone. I don't know if that makes sense, but he literally looked out and saw our state and said, "Well, I didn't just die for this person or this person." Like Literally, he was making it available for all. So when you choose, so back to our our discipleship decision, when you choose to invest, and I do mean spiritually, this is under the auspices of of our study, that you are growing spiritually. When you choose to invest in people, what criteria will you use? Is it because, boy, they would do a lot for this ministry? Or I really want them because... They appear to have it together, and I think they're going to be a big tither. Or, hey, they have, uh, you know, they have this job, this status that will bring this ministry some validity. Or, you know, what what is it that causes us to choose who we invest in? And I've I've been around the spiritual block enough to know that the tendency, the earthly fleshly tendency even of pastors and I think Satan is all too eager to do this because he knows how much it upsets the Lord is to say boy you you should really spend some time with that person they could be really valuable to this ministry well literally everyone could be valuable to this ministry it doesn't matter what skill set they bring it doesn't matter arguably even what what, I was going to say garbage or baggage garbage or baggage they bring the testimony of the Lord changing them could be way more powerful than whatever plans or agenda you have. You can't approach who you're investing in based on outward appearance. 
it has to be based on something else. So I am teeing it up. There is this concept of preferring, right? We didn't want we the elect versus preferring, but there's also this preferring or partiality versus proving. And I thought about calling this lesson no I did something witty on the thing, I think. No partiality or preferring but proving or something like I, it was very convenient that it was all P's. Now, the word proving isn't in your, your verse, but the concept is in the verse. If you notice back in 1 Timothy 5.21, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one another, doing nothing by partiality. But notice this proving concept that's very clear in 22. Lay hands suddenly on no man, Neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. So literally, like if I wanted to, there's a lot of P's here, right? There's the preferring, the partiality, the partaker, the pure, developing teachers, leaders. Like you don't even have to alliterate that. All the P's are there for you. But um, the point here, which is another P, uh, the point here (laughs) is that go back to your definitions of proving, of proving. This is the concept of not suddenly, okay? Billy Ocean doesn't get a chance to wake up suddenly and you're in ministry. No, it's not like that. It, that is Billy Ocean, right? Wait, sudden, suddenly life has new meaning to me. Nobody knows that song. I grew up, that was like a coming of age song. I'm just not doing a very good job representing it. Am I mixing two different songs? It says wake up suddenly in your yeah, that's the song. That's not Billy Ocean? Yeah, I think it is. I think that's Billy Ocean. Somebody should look that up. I give you permission to get on your phones. <laughs> what, Rob, help me out. Is that Billy Ocean? Wake up. Yeah, but no, Rob says no. That's not Billy Ocean. Or he doesn't like Billy Ocean, one of the two. I don't know. But it's not, you don't wake up suddenly and you're in ministry. Sorry, I thought it was, I thought it worked. I thought the illustration worked. Is it Billy Ocean? Y'all do not challenge me. <laughs> Just because you don't like you some air supply or Billy Ocean doesn't, don't challenge me. Thank you, Victor. Um, you don't wake up suddenly and you're in ministry, okay? Now you say, wait a second, Dobson, you spent this whole class talking about partiality. Ah, but I'm not going to give responsibility to someone who hasn't proven themselves. That's not partiality, okay? That's different than partiality. Everybody has an opportunity to prove themselves. Okay? Everybody has an opportunity to prove themselves. So notice, again, you don't, we're not going to spend a ton of time here, partially because we don't have a ton of time left, but in 1 Timothy 3, uh, 6, and 10, we talked about the, the roles of the, the pastor or the bishop, right? Or the responsibilities. He said, not a novice lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Literally, Paul is continuing that very thought over here in 1 Timothy chapter 5 from chapter 6. He's like, don't, don't promote a novice. Don't lay hands suddenly on anybody. Let them, oh, in verse 10, let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Okay? So that's this, they're not a novice. They need to be found or seen as blameless. Okay? In 2 Timothy 2 2, also uh, talking really about the concept of discipleship, right? And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. 
Like that doesn't happen overnight. Paul is saying, look, I've proven my message. I've proven my methods over time. Not that he was going before a court to prove his case, but I have this whole body of work behind me that everyone can see. And as a result, I don't have to speak with loud words. I'm letting the testimony of the Lord in my life speak. In, in Titus 1, again, talking about elders and ordaining elders in every city, um, they should be elders, like they shouldn't be novice. As I appointed thee, if any, if any be blameless, meaning you can see a history of faithfulness, right? So, that, so that's, again, the kind of back on the definitions. Proving, again, is different from partiality. I don't get the right to, to look at two people who are at the same... At the, they both walk in the door. I meet them both for the same time this morning. I don't get to look at one and think, I'm going to invest in them because I think they've got potential based on the way they dress, the way they act, how, some, some similarity I have with them, whether it's height, Weight, color, his, you know, historic past, where we went to high school, how whether we're both bald, like it doesn't matter. Like I don't, thanks. At least some of you laughed. I I don't get that opportunity, but as people prove themselves, now I have again. It's not partiality or preference, but I now can use them in ministry because I'm not supposed to lay hands suddenly on anybody. I'm supposed to prove them out. So literally it's the opposite of prejudice. It's evidence. Proving is evidence. So proving is is appropriate. I think I yeah, proving is appropriate. Look at these these references. We're just gonna hit them fairly quickly. In Psalm 17, thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Like literally, I, I've been proven out. I've, I've, I've gone through the experience and I've come through it, not of my own volition. It's not even like, like Miles spoke on today. And there's a good lesson, a huge lesson there about, yeah, the, arc, the ox shook the cart, should have never been on a cart. Like that really, really good stuff there. But this, he's proved his heart over time. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. You know, I believe it's a Psalm of David. He's saying, look, Lord, I'm welcoming you to, to dig into the recesses of me and prove me. I'm welcoming that. It's appropriate. Psalm 66, verse 10. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. I mean, I'm no like expert in, in jewelry or precious metals, but I can only imagine how ugly... Like and no one would buy a big beautiful silver something that had the chunk of I don't know dirt in it or a chunk of something that you know what I mean like that would not be appealing. I want I want something pure, and you do that through the refining process through the proving process. John six five through six when Je- when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, this is beautiful, and I'm looking forward to our, to our next study, which will be uh, questions that Jesus asks those around him. And then I think we'll get a lot of insight and a lot of growth from that. But whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said, or I'm sorry, and this he said, Jesus said to prove who? Philip. For he himself knew what he would do. He knew what Philip was going to say, but he said it 
so Philip would know. I know that seems kind of like weird, but he actually is proving Philip through the interaction. Proving is very appropriate. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things. Hold, this, that, hold fast to that which is good. Two people walk through the door. I don't get the opportunity or the right. I don't have the right to hold partiality or prefer one of them. But if one person sticks and clearly is following the Lord and the other disappears, who am I going to develop in ministry, right? Now, if the other person walks in, I got to start with square one. I don't get the opportunity to like hold it over their head, right? And again, there are some limits to that. If they've injured someone, if they've hurt someone, that's going to be different than if they're just not committed. But we need to be very careful about that. Proving is appropriate, but notice this. God himself welcomes us proving him. That, this, is, this is amazing to me. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, so the Holy Ghost is speaking, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, God proved me and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Wow, like literally, God is fine with people proving him, specifically in the area of giving, in the area of tithing, in the area of bringing your your offerings, your gifts to the Lord. He challenges you to prove him. He literally throws down the gauntlet and says, if you don't think I can come through, try me. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouses that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Literally, he is throwing down, God's throwing down and saying, if you doubt me, if you have a shred of doubt about this giving thing, just try me. Bring it into my house so that there's enough for the ministry. Give your tithe to the church and watch and see what I'll do. He'll, he'll come through. He always has. Amen. He always has. So it brings us to our last discipleship decision of the day. Can you rely on proving over prejudice? Proving over prejudice. I appreciate, you know, Michelle and I were talking about this the other night. We've been at Midtown. Quick, Brian, how long have the Dobsons been at Midtown? Eight years. <laughs> uh, three years. Three years. Three years. Three years. Good job. We've been here three years. Seems a lot longer. Both good and bad. Seems like a lot of things have happened on our end. Three years we've been here. But my, the, the, the fact that Sam and the leadership felt comfortable enough to allow me to teach had more to do with the 25 or 27 years before the last two or three than the like the last two or three validated made them confident that the guy that they had known years ago that we had ministered in different in in different ministries at the same time just allowed them to validate that we've stuck with it 
that we've not fallen by the wayside, that we have st- stayed with both the, the faith and the, and the Word of God and the authority of the Word of God. And I don't say, again, I don't say that to pat us on the back by a long shot. They needed this time. They should not lay hands suddenly on any man, right? They did the right thing, but it's really hard. I, I, when I came here, just being very transparent, like I didn't want to start all over again in ministry. I didn't want to start from square one. Now, we were submitted to do that. And we even, I even told Sam, if you need us to go through discipleship, we'll go through discipleship. If that's, like, if that's what you want us to do, we'll do it. I didn't think it was, quote, necessary, but we were willing. My point, Sam and the leadership, they prove people out. Okay? And proving looks different for every situation. And we, Michelle and I were talking about this on the way in. Remember the, the rich young man who came to Jesus and Jesus said, go and sell all that you got, right? He cut to the chase of what it was that was kind of the God in that person's life. He will do that. That is the proving process. So you want to take the next steps in your in your spiritual walk, and and I implore you, you should want to take the next steps in your spiritual walk. He will put that thing right in front of you, and say, "Am I still Lord?" It could be an authority issue, it could be a an age issue, a, a gender issue, a, a racial issue, a financial issue, a, a a personality issue. Like I don't know what it looks like for all of us. I know I've had to face those and say okay lord you're still you're still lord i will do whatever you want me to do here and and i'm you know the reality is we'll all continue to have those moments as long as we walk this earth he is going to continue to lay something in front of us and it's the process of proving you it's the process of refining you for the ministry it's the process of refining you for his purposes and it's super easy i'm not going to lie it's super easy to say I'm not there, and you'll you'll like the young the the young um, rich rich dude will leave saddened because what he called you to do was too, was too great, mm-hmm. but is it not compared to the Lord? Yeah. It's not too great. So we've been really faced with the decision today. You will have these situations come up. In ministry, where you have to choose people for ministry opportunities, or you'll you'll be asked to to invest in one person person over another, or or you only have a finite amount of time and you need to 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 do things prioritize. Just be very careful how you do that. Don't do it based on who you like or who you're comfortable with. Base it on the proving out of the Holy Spirit, the proving out of the testimony of Christ in their life. That is going to be the best. Um, litmus test, if you will. That is going to be the best evidence and that's going to be the best situation for the ministry. So with that, let's close in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for um, humbling yourself and becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You literally stepped out of heaven and came here and went through all the stuff this world threw at you, and you did it joyfully and and with humble obedience. And Lord, may we do the same. May we not partake in other men's sins by preferring one using bad criteria or by, by showing partiality. May we 
rather, Lord, prove people out. May we understand that the elect angels themselves were given a specific task. And that's the criteria. Like, if we are given tasks, let us be faithful, Lord. Help us to just do what we are called to do. Help us to be obedient to the things that you've called us to be obedient to. And Lord, we'll give you the honor and glory. You alone are worthy. We know, Lord, that you demand a lot. To whom much is given, much is required. And and you have given us eternal life. And what you require of us is faithfulness. And so, Lord, help us to be faithful in this and the uh, and other areas in our walk. Uh, bless us this week as we get ready for camp and and for those who are unable to go, maybe to be able to to watch online. Help us to really be able to uh, grow and tangibly take the next steps in our walk. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.